something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. This is Stuff You Should Know. Welcome. Welcome. How you doing? Bienvenue. <laughs> Uh, so, Chuck. Yes. I just um, I just drank a Coke and I also ate some uh, chips and salsa. Nice. And I it was all on an empty stomach, so I feel like I'm going to vomit. Three of the four food groups right. covered. Right. So, yeah, you've got corn in the chips. Mm-hmm. You've got tomato, onion, God knows what else. In cilantro. The, uh, in, cilantro, mm-hmm. sure. Is that a food group? Yeah. So you've got all the stuff in, in the salsa and the chips and, and then the, whatever's in the Coke, right? Sure. Um, and all of it came to me and into my stomach because I am a member of the wealthiest nation on the planet. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Do you want me to get to the bottom of this? Uh, yeah. I kind of don't know where you're going. Well, ironically, I should say I didn't even pay for this. I found it in the break room and ate it, right? Okay. But I live in America and America's got the money to pay for food. So food naturally finds its way to countries like the United States, right? Western European countries, developed nations, right? Right. It doesn't necessarily find its way to underdeveloped nations. Okay. Okay. So you're familiar with the carrying capacity, right? Yes. Okay. Um, well, then I'll explain it to everybody else. Uh, it's an anthropological term, and I think it may also have to do with economics. But basically, a carrying capacity is the total number of humans uh, something can sustain. So like hunting and gathering, I think, could sustain something like several hundred million people, uh, up to maybe two billion. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, And right as we were on the verge of hitting that mark, we came up with agriculture out of the blue. Gotcha. Agriculture can, by estimates, uh, carry 10 billion people. Wow. Okay. We're coming up on that mark pretty quick. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we're supposed to hit ten billion in like twenty fifty or something like that. Okay, uh, and we may go. It may go shorter, um, depending on you know if there's any kind of catastrophes or right. major food crises or climate change. Sure, it could go longer if we be if our technology advances sufficiently. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we come up with Soylent Green or something like that, right? Right, grow for food in uh, outer space. That no, kind of that's thing? that's where we uh, we eat humans. Well, sure. Okay. The, the science fiction film you're talking about. Sure, right. Right, right, right. Soylent Green. Yeah. Okay, so so we may go more or less 10 billion, but 10 billion is usually the mark. And um, this has kind of been on the mind of some people for a while, right? Uh-huh. Um, especially in the in the mid to late 60s, there was a, f- a food shortage, and there were all sorts of predictions coming out that, 
you know, we were about to be screwed. We were in big trouble. Um, and there was a, a, a book called um, Famine 1975 with an exclamation point for really? everything. Yeah. And it was an academic book, and they used an exclamation point in the title. Oh, wow. Um, and basically in it, the author um, suggests that we need to triage, essentially, who gets food. Right. So the the countries that are contributing the most to the rest of the world through advancement and you know um, whatever mm-hmm. wealth, right? Uh, they should get the most food, and basically the other countries we'll should be off. left to starve to wow. death. It was pretty grim. It was written in 1967, and obviously no one took that up and, and ran with it. Of course not. It's pretty creepy, but it seems like price mechanism kind of has come to fulfill that same prediction. You think? Yeah, because if you look at it, if you look at the um, the UN's world hunger map, uh-huh. uh, the the areas that are the hungriest are the areas that are the least developed. They have the least amount of food, and as if that weren't enough, it's all a vicious cycle. The more hungry you are, the higher your literacy rates are, right? Um, unemployment rates, uh, all sorts of mortality rates, obviously. Um, so you can't really break your way out of it unless somebody helps you. And the, the the price mechanism theory, my theory, is supported uh, by the recent food crisis we saw in 2007, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, food just dried up everywhere. Why? Because fuel prices went through the roof. Mm-hmm. It got expensive to produce and transport food. Right. And so all of a sudden, it didn't go the way it used to. You know, Care International? No. Care, they're like a, an aid group. Okay. The like food Red aid Cross. group. Uh, in, they have a food aid section. They actually stopped handing out surplus food. They can't get it anymore. Really? Yeah. So food is pretty much a wealthy luxury, sadly enough. It, and we're kind of hitting that famine 1975 scenario one way or another. Wow. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And it is tough to think about it. And I, I mention all this because we're talking about how long can you live without food or water, right? Right. So I guess uh, my my goal was to kind of put a human face on this. Like, what happens when you live in Bangladesh or, you know, Chad or somewhere and you are starving to death and even worse, you can't get any access to water? Yeah, or fresh water at least. From from researching this, it's a, a horrible, horrible way to die. Yeah. I may I – may, um, I may reevaluate my yeah. dropping out of the sky in an airplane is the worst way to die. Right. Starving to death or dehydration might yeah. do it for you. Right. Yeah. So let's, I mean, how long can you go without food, say? Well, there's a general rule of threes uh, if you're talking about survival experts. They call it the rule of threes, oddly enough. Let's hear them. And uh, supposedly you can go, and these are rough estimates, you know, there's, we'll talk about the variances later, but you can go three minutes without air before you die. Uh, three hours without shelter if you're in a really harsh environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, three days without water, and three weeks without food. Three hours without shelter, and if you're you know stuck in the freezing cold somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. That kind of thing. Sure. So that that's the rule of threes. Um, there's all sorts of play within that though. So if you're talking about food, how long you go with food? Three weeks is actually kind of on target. Um, you know, you can look at uh, political prisoners that have gone on hunger strikes. Yeah, the IRA in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. That but was very they, famous they made it a lot longer than three weeks, right? Well, they did, and you can. And, you know, Gandhi uh, fasted for exactly three weeks, but he was in his 70s at the time. Right. So he wasn't in, you know, premium condition, which obviously if you're in the, the most fit and the most healthy, you can go a little bit longer mm-hmm. than, you know, someone who's grossly out of shape. Although having an abundance of fat actually would help you survive too. Right. 
So I guess that gets us into what happens when you start to run out of food, bringing up the fat part. Because your body, uh, what it does is it processes uh, fat, carbohydrates, and proteins uh, as the stored energy. Right, in, because in that's, that's energy you need, your cells need for, you know, to, per, to perform the functions that they do. Right. Right. And so if you're talking about those three things and you're starting the process of starving to death, mm-hmm. uh, your body is going to burn up carbohydrates. That's the first thing it's going to burn up. Right. Which then is, it, which is good because yeah. carbs make you fat. Sure. And then, uh, then it starts to burn up your fat, stored fat. Even better than burning up carbs. Right. And if you have extra stored fat, that's why you might could last a little bit longer. I think you or I would make it for a while. I think we'd beat the, the average. I have a few extra pounds yeah. I'm carrying, sure. If that's what you're alluding to. I said you and I. <laughs> okay. And then after that, uh, the proteins, uh, start to get burned. And that's bad news because, Using up proteins is basically your body itself. Your body kind of consumes itself in a way. Right. So it's creepy. That's like the uh, maybe the structure, cellular structure, like you're just eating your own muscles or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds pretty rotten either way. Yeah, that's it's very rotten. Uh, your metabolism comes into play, obviously. Right. Which is how your body uh, converts food into energy. So if you have a real slow metabolism, you're going to burn your food uh, slower. So you'll last longer. Yeah, which, which will also cause you to you know, have carry a little extra weight if you have a slow metabolism. Right, but also you would be breaking down the carbohydrate slower and then the fat slower and then the proteins more slowly, right? Yeah, Josh, I think this, that's probably the case. Okay. So that explains why you would live a little bit longer if you were starting. Right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Uh, Climate plays plays a role. Uh, if you're in the freezing cold uh, or in the burning heat, neither one of those are are any good because you're going to die faster. <laughs> gotcha. Basically, which actually in this case may be better. 
well, chances are if you're in extreme heat or cold, you wouldn't make it to the point where you're actually starved to death. You would die from the elements before that because it would weaken your body. Right. So, okay. you know. And, and tomato, tomato at that point. Right, know. sure. Yeah. You're probably just, you know, whatever hastens death, I imagine at that point's okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's different stages and there's different symptoms for the stages of starvation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at first, you know, and you, you can, I can identify with these like weakness, confusion, uh, chronic diarrhea. Got it all the time. Right. I barely ever eat, right? Yeah. Um, don't you find that significant that you you your body starts ejecting stuff while you're starving? You would think it'd be hoarding it, right? Yeah, I guess it makes sense. But that's that seems to be a common theme that that you um you you have diarrhea, which is just bad because that will also lead to dehydration, which we'll get True. to in a minute, right? Exactly. Um, and then advanced starvation, you you're really bad off. You're convulsing. Right. Um, you can have muscle spasms, irregular heartbeat. Um, hallucinations, uh, and then ultimately you can die of shock, correct? Right. Well, your organs will just start shutting down, basically. One by one? Yeah. You know your body's a machine, and yeah. they always say that, and that food, food is the fuel. And so without it, you're literally just going to start breaking down bit by bit. Now, you said Gandhi fasted for 21 days, and he probably did it more than once, I imagine. Yeah, I think so. Um, but the, the, when we were talking about the IRA earlier... They one of them made it seventy one days. I think so. I don't remember the number exactly, but I th- yeah, I think the last one made it seventy one days, mm-hmm. and um, there were a, a group of ten of them. Right, they were in prison in Great Britain, and they started a hunger strike because they were being um, pretty much tortured. Uh, at the time, everybody hated the IRA, and Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, who was prime minister at the time, would would not budge. Right, she Even would became anything. very public and yeah. throughout the world. Yeah. And um, she, she she kept repeating that these people are criminals and they're committing suicide, and she had zero compassion for them. But from what I understand, it actually started to kind of turn the tide of public opinion slightly more in favor of the IRA, right? Um, than than it had been before, because up to that point they were just heartless bombers, you know. So true. Yeah. And actually, it was seventy three days. Seventy three. Thomas McAwee, he he lasted the longest at seventy three days, and he lasted what a week or so longer than the second. Yeah, a full week. Wow. Well, choosing to starve to death is one thing. That's pretty right. harsh. Yeah. And you've got to be pretty committed to your cause to do that. Sure. There's absolutely no way whatsoever you're going to last 71 days without water, right? No. You never see anyone go on a, a, on a dehydration strike. No, because even the IRA guys um, were taking small amounts of water. Right. Which is what allowed them to live that long. Exactly. You have to. It would be a very short protest if you were doing a water strike. Agreed. And you would not get much accomplished. Agreed. So what, what, what kind of time length are we talking? Well, go back to the, the threes. Uh, three days, you could potentially live without water. Um, again, environment and uh, what kind of shape you're in play a role. If you're obviously in, your, in the desert, you can start to be dehydrated within the hour. And you hear about you know these awful stories about like a baby being locked in a car mm-hmm. that can die from dehydration just a couple of hours in a yeah. hot car. I think even shorter than that. I think like maybe an hour. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, I guess this is a point where we should say that this is not something anyone should test. You know, <laughs> this is no laughing matter. The legal department loves you, Chuck. Yeah, I need to say these things because yeah. you do not want to test your body to see how long you can go without water. You can go on fast, and people do the cleanses and things. As you know, I've done the, my cleanse, the master cleanse before. Mm-hmm. And um, is that the lemonade cleanse? Yeah, yeah, with the cayenne pepper, lemon, and gray bee maple syrup. Uh-huh. I've done that before too. All it did was kick up like chicken pox in me. 
Really? Yeah, oh, I was so sick. After like four days. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't hang. I pooped my pants. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Once. <laughs> that cayenne pepper moves through you, doesn't it? Yeah. It's um, very, uh, it leads, lends itself to an accidental scenarios. Well, that is a saying. sign of starvation, so. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't live without water for very long. Um, you lose water well, when you sweat, when you urinate, um, water in your feces. Uh, you lose water when you breathe through evaporation. So your body is constantly losing water. Yeah, even like you said, when you breathe, I, I found that surprising until I really thought about it. I'm like, of course, it's why you can see your breath. It's water vapor, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of water. 65% of our body, I believe, is water. And uh, we need water. It, it, it carries, uh, it runs through the blood to carry oxygen everywhere. Right. It acts as uh, cushions for your joints and soft tissue. Mm-hmm. And it helps your food uh, digest, helps you absorb food energy. There's actually this precarious balance going on, Chuck. There's this, uh, I guess, kind of dance between water and solutes in your body. Okay. A so, waltz? A, a, sure. Sometimes a foxtrot, depending on, on right. the state of What's affairs. What's going on? Um, and so solutes can be things like calcium, sodium, electrolytes, thing, things that you need. But okay. um, you don't need an overabundance of them in relation to the amount of water. Exactly. You don't want a high concentration or a low concentration. And this is part of uh, the homeostasis, that, that um, state of balance in, in your body's processes. Uh-huh. Part of that is um, an isotonic state, which is a balance in the solution of solutes and, and water. Right. Gotcha. Got me? I got gotcha. you. Okay, you got me. You're with me so far. I'm with you, okay, science so, guy. So basically, there's there's two places um, these solutions can be in your body on the cellular level. They can be outside the cell, right, which is extracellular, or they can be inside the cell, which is intercellular. But and you want to have an equal and isotonic balance, an equal solution inside and outside. That makes sense, right? And if you if one's thrown off, say uh, there's a high concentration which means there's a lot of solutes and, and not too much water right. um, on the extracellular spaces, uh, the water is going to go from inside the cell to outside. It's, it's trying to strike a balance. Right. If you're not replenishing water and the water is being shifted around like this, uh-huh. that's when you're in trouble. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, now when you start losing water, you get thrown out of balance. Okay. When you get thrown out of balance, uh, basically dehydration – all sorts of terrible things can happen to your cells, right? So let's say there is a buildup of sodium. You've seen what sodium does to your lips. Right. When, if you eat, have you ever had Burger King's chicken fries? Uh, yeah. No. Okay, well, what if, are you, those? if you, they were in ill-conceived and short-lived, um, they were French fries, but they were made of chicken. So they weren't, fr- they were, it was chicken, a chicken nugget elongated yes. into the shape of a fry. And those things, you just, you took a bite and your lips were immediately chapped like you've been skiing for eight days straight. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, it was rough. So there's, um, there's, too much sodium can dry out cells, right? It can wither them. So if you have too much sodium in your cells and not enough water, uh-huh. They can shrink and become destroyed. And, and also outside of the cells as well, you have all sorts of processes going on. So if there's too much water inside the cells right. and not enough outside, the solution is too concentrated outside, then you have all sorts of connections, um, uh, little vessels and things that can rupture, right? Okay, yeah. Okay. So this is what's going on with dehydration. Actually, both of those can happen. Wow. So one of the processes that, that can take place and kill you very easily is cerebral edema. Yeah, that's, right? that just sounds like a killer. It's not good. Uh, basically, what happens is the um, the uh, uh, an osmotic gradient occurs, so it's out of balance, mm-hmm. 
and the uh, water is sucked into the cell, which sounds kind of weird because, you know, you're dehydrated. Right. But So it's taking any available water it can. Right. Um, and if that happens too much, the cell can rupture. And if that happens in your brain, your brain swells. Gotcha. And you're in big trouble. Sure. Uh, because once a, a cell is damaged like that, it can't be repaired. Gotcha? Got, yeah. I'm the, with you. the exact opposite can happen, too. Your brain can, uh, if the balance is off, you have too much sodium, not enough water, uh, which seems much more intuitive in dehydration. Uh, the, the brain can shrink, actually. You remember Terry Schiavo? Right, the the patient that was on life support and mm-hmm. uh, got so much media attention, I remember her. Right, um, she uh, actually when when she finally died, you know, she died of dehydration after 13 days. Right, they took her off life support. She was in a persistent vegetative state, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. um, and she was basically just functioning on her brain stem. When they did the autopsy after she died of dehydration 13 days later, it was half the size, half of its normal size. Her brain was. It had just shrunk. Wow. Because of a lack of water. That's interesting. It is interesting and horrifying. It is. Fortunately, from everything I've read, every medical professional said there's no way she can feel pain. Right. She's not in a state of consciousness where she can experience pain. Right. Which is good because that would have been a really painful way to die. I would imagine uh, dying of thirst or uh, dehydration, starvation is not a pleasant way to go. Well, if you you're, you know, well, obviously not in a vegetative state. Right, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, though, you've experienced something similar before. I know you have uh, when you've had a hangover. Right. You know those throbbing headaches uh-huh. that you have yeah, when, dehydration, you, when you have a hangover? Your brain is literally shrinking, right? Right. Um, you're, you're, you're dried out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you dehydrate when you, when you drink heavily. Um, and your body actually shuffles water around itself, right? To make so, up for where it's low? Right. Okay. And one, one great store of water in your body is in your brain. So what's happening is water is being drawn from your brain and sent to other parts of your bodies to rehydrate them, really? which seems like a terrible mechanism, I right? Know. But what's going on is your brain actually doesn't have any um, any any nerve endings. There's no way to feel pain in your brain. Right. But the membrane that connects your uh, brain to your skull, it's called the dura. Right. It does have pain receptors. So that's where the, the headache comes from. And it's being stretched, and that's where you get the headache, which wow. is why you need to replenish yourself with water. Well, yeah, they say, you know... Uh, if you're drinking alcohol in large amounts for you know New Year's Eve, let's say, to uh, toward the end of the night, you need to start slamming water. Yeah. Or alternate the alcoholic beverage with a cup of water. I've always heard that, too. I find it really difficult to do. Well, yeah. That's because you have to put down the glass of scotch in order to do it. <laughs> so what else you got? You got anything else? Uh, I've got nothing else. You know, don't, don't try this at home. Uh, if you're in a survival scenario, though, you're going to want to get on the water toot sweet. That's first order of business, unless you're... Obviously, caught in a freezing ice storm somewhere, then you're going to want to get your shelter really fast. Right. Also, you you've got plenty of water right around you. Just right. Need to melt it. True. Yeah, you have to melt it. That's a good point. You don't want to eat snow or chew on ice that will actually dehydrate you further. Will it really? I know that yeah. the the best way to drink water is at room temperature. That's when your body absorbs the most from it, right? Yeah. But I didn't know you can't eat snow. Well, it's uh, it what it does is it drops your core body temperature so much that you're doing more harm than good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, again, don't try going without food or water if you don't have to. Drink 8 to 10 cups a day. I know it varies from different doctors, but I think by and large, if women drink you know, roughly 90 ounces of water a day and men drink about 120 ounces a day, then you should be doing pretty well. You definitely want to dehydrate. Gotcha. 
And when your mom said that uh, you should eat all your food because there's starving kids in China, she wasn't that far off. So consider that. And uh, Chuck, what do we got? Uh, you know, I think we should uh, give some props to some of our podcasting mates here. Agreed. I know that we have a lot of great fans, and so does you know some of the other podcasts we do. But we have a, a great auto podcast if you're into that called High Speed Stuff, mm-hmm. and we have a music one that's uh, been launched recently. It's very cool, kind of B side. Yeah, it's stuff from the B side. It takes an interesting angle on different uh, various music subjects. It's cool. I like it. And of course, uh, stuff you missed in history class. Great one. Yeah, and uh, what else? Uh, brain stuff from our company founder, Marshall Brain. The Brain. And then, uh, we can't forget, uh, Strickland and Tech Stuff. He would badger us for the next few weeks. Yes, he would. So, Tech Stuff, if you're into gadgets and technology, then they're your guys. Well, you can find all those on the How Stuff Works page of iTunes. And if you want to learn more about um, how long you can go without food or water, you can type those words into our handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.